Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back once again to GameShop. The Fallout Bar brought to you by Online Darts, the only instant reaction show on YouTube after the darts finishes. My name is Jack Gobby Garwood. Welcome to the channel. If this is your first time, welcome back to everybody in the chat room that we've all seen before. Once again, I'm joined by the amazing Charlie and Cameron to review Day Five's action. Gents, how are we doing? Cam, you weren't on last night, so I'll say hello to you first. Um, don't adjust your screens, though, guys. We know he's got a bit of rubbish on his on his shirt, but it, it's fine. It'll get over it. I'm all right, mate. I'm not too bad at all. Um, I know we, I know exactly what you were going to say at the start of this, but I'm just going to gloat a little bit that I called the result of last night and didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. I did call the five three and Fallon Charrot qualifying. So other than that, but yeah, really good. Not. The not the closest of nights tonight in terms of games, but it was a it was a good quality night of darts again. Some really really good performances and really enjoyable watch again. Yeah, Charlie. On the whole, it wasn't the most competitive night of darts. Like sometimes, just the way the draw has worked out. Yeah, um, and the players that obviously in, in three of the games it was a little bit once more one-sided than we kind of expected, but, um, you know, full credit to them players and, you know, look a really good game of darts, a uh, good night of darts, sorry. And, um, you know, it sets it up for the sort of the, the business end now of the tournament. It does indeed. So at this point, we're going to say hello to everybody in the chat room. Uh, we've got Andrew in, we've got, that is Andrew. We've got Craig in. Maliki's notice, Cameron wearing his Bradley Brooks jersey. I could understand if he'd done the upset, but you've just gone a little bit bold, mate. Now everybody knows you're a Blackburn fan. They all knew that anyway, let's, let's be real. I've never hidden that fact, so we, we know our glutton for punishment and all that. So he was close enough tonight, he gave it a go. He he was he was pretty good and he, he pushed Gezi all the way, didn't 
He did indeed. We're just going to go in order to review tonight's games. I don't think that there's one that stands out a little bit more than others, but we're, we're just going to go in order to keep things nice and simple. Um, before we do that, though, guys, please, as always, make sure you've liked the stream, subscribe to the channel, share it around if you want. Only 27 of you watching right now, which is weird because there's lots of you watching last night. We can probably understand why. We're not going to spend the first 10 minutes of the show talking about somebody that isn't playing tonight. We will get on to Fallon Sherrick when we review when we preview tomorrow night's action. Um, but we won't wait until the players are warming up to cram in all the information you possibly need about the first game because we've forgotten to do that because we're talking about somebody else. Um, that's not how we work yet. <laughs> we do like the little subtle dig though. Um, so yeah, as I said, guys, straight into the action, Charlie. And I'm going to start with you. Um, a very, very impressive performance from Rob Cross in the end. 102 average. Started very, very slow, did Rob. But this is the game of the four that we expected to be the closest, I think. And it didn't work out that way, despite a good start from Ryan Joyce. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the throw went on. It went on through all the way up until it was 3-all. And at that stage, I was sat watching it and thinking, this game could really go the distance and then Rob Cross breaks the throw to go 4-3 up and from then it was one-way traffic and he was exceptional tonight um, I mean he got he, he was blown away by Wade in his last game and he came out with a 102 average and absolutely blew Ryan Joyce away impressive from Cross um, it's what we've been accustomed to seeing over the last couple of months it is indeed he just found that form from somewhere Cam with the changing to the slightly longer points just having a glance at some of the stats and when you see someone chucking 102 average, you don't expect them to have only found one 180. He had 14 140s and 23 tons tonight to Rob Cross. That is, for want of a better word, considering he's playing Ryan Joyce, relentless. It is that. It's. I think if we look at the last sort of 18 months or so, it's Johnny Clayton-esque, isn't it? It's just an absolute barrage of 140s and ton pluses and just just consistent scoring power. I mean, eight of the last nine legs to go and win it as well. Um, and going up against someone in Brian Joyce, who's playing very well, he's averaged 95 today and banging five 180s as well. Could put you under a bit of pressure that, but he's just consistently just kept that scoring power up. And it's a very, very impressive performance from Rob Cross. And you wouldn't fancy him, in, you wouldn't fancy playing him, would you, at this stage? That's where we're going to go next, boys, because six to nine months ago, there were serious concerns over Rob Cross's form, the fact he was defending an awful lot of money. I keep going back to it. He was he had a very, very solid base in the Premier League without threatening anybody. He was consistent. He picked up the odd point here or there when, when players faltered a little bit. He, he had like a 92 to 95 average virtually every single week, but that's not quite what you need to to go and compete in the Premier League, as we've already discussed earlier, Cam, but we won't get into that argument again. <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've had our discussions today. We'll leave yeah. it there. But look, Rob Cross is one of the only players in the world that can win tournaments comfortably with his B game and his A game's turning up at the minute, Charlie, and it's at the perfect time this year, isn't it? Hundred percent. I mean, you've got to you've got to peak at the right time in the year, especially with the world's right at the at the end um, towards Christmas into the new year. So for him, um, you know, that slow start at three all today, it, it probably won't have been too bothered about that. But it's the way that he transferred his game after that to then just 
take Ryan Joyce apart. And we've seen Ryan Joyce been really impressive this week as well. So to to a ten four score line, he's he's just been blown away. He has indeed. Um, a quick word on Ryan Joyce before we hear from Rob Cross. He just has this knack of of popping up in tournaments when he gets there. Um, very very consistent performer, but he's yet to really have that breakthrough moment now. Yeah, and it looked like this week could have possibly been that, where he was very, very good against Stephen Bunting on Saturday, another good result on Sunday, and you thought he could kick on here. And if he carries on playing like that, I mean, he was so good on his throw against Bunting on on day one, where Bunting averaged 106.7 or whatever it was and couldn't get anywhere near him on his throw. Um, He was nowhere near him. And you thought, well, maybe this could be the chance, where especially if he can get in there and win the ball and you've got to break him to beat him, he could maybe kick on and do something. But it didn't quite happen today. But I just think that was more down to how good Rob Cross was rather than anything else. Yeah, Rob Cross was exceptional. And what we're going to do in a moment is hear a short snippet of Rob Cross's post-match interview. A reminder, jump over to our, stay on our YouTube channel. Don't jump over. You're obviously here already. Uh, jump onto the YouTube channel after we finish the show to watch all of the interviews from this evening in full. Um, we're going to play you now a short clip of the Rob Cross interview, though. I think so. And obviously, um, probably Ryan's a really good dart player. But if he's level and he's maybe just in front, he's, he's better. And then all of a sudden, when I did take the lead in the game, his head went down a little bit. And to be fair, the rest, the rest is sort of history. Rob Cross loves a to-be-fair, but I think he summed that game up absolutely <laughs> perfectly. Um, gets the break, steamrolls, um, and, and runs away with it. On to game number two, boys, and I take absolutely no pleasure in discussing this one. Honestly, um, a week ago, this man was in absolutely no form whatsoever. I was backing him to barely get out of the group. Um, the performances at the recent Pro Tours haven't been good. First round exits, TV, etc. James Wade has flipped a switch this week. 98 average, a 10-2 victory over Roby John Rodriguez camp. Wadey baby is back. So glad you came to me for this one. Um, oh, first on the last one. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, he was he was very good. I, to be fair, when you say a week ago he's in wasn't informed on Saturday. He wasn't informed. He was just really poor on Saturday. And since then, I don't know what it is, but there was that interview. It was really good to see. Actually, he came across really well when he was quite vulnerable and talked about why he doesn't give it much on stage and why he's a bit reserved and that he's been trying to give it a little bit more and just enjoy it a little bit more and let himself go a little bit. And it seems to be really working for him. He was absolutely fantastic tonight. Robert John Rodriguez didn't play particularly bad. He wasn't at the level that we know he can get to and like the level he was in qualifying for this stage, but he he just didn't get a chance to even get into the game. Like he had a good first leg, fourteen darts, I think it was, and then it basically wasn't in the game again other than that, other than the one seventy which came out of nowhere, but that was what he had to do just to get a leg off James today. And you can't argue with it whatsoever. I mean, he was just very, very good. And I think he almost, it felt better than 98. I'll be honest, watching it. I thought he was 
probably well above a ton watching the averages, but very, very good and sets up a great game next, doesn't it? It does indeed. We'll get on to that tomorrow night show. We're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. There's only so much we can talk about in one evening. Um, Charlie, it was just clinical from James. 10 from 15 on the doubles, 98 average. Roby is limited to just four attempts at a double tonight, and one of them is the 170 he takes. There's a couple of comments in the chat room I'm going to bring up um, now. Wade looked better than he was. Roby was terrible. Was he? 98 average where your opponent only gets four darts double. Okay, Roby could have scored a bit better and, and fought a more chance, but 10 from 15 on the doubles and a 98 average, that's not terrible. No, not at all. And not for Wade as well. Like 95, if Wade averages 95, he beats most people anyway. We know that the way he plays. Like, I don't, I think when he averages 98, he's a bit like 105 for anyone else anyway. And the finishing was absolutely superb. Charlie, a word on Roby John. He, he's shown glimpses again this week of what he can do. He's been in superb form, challenge tour, um, arguably should have a tour card. It was the countback rule that stopped him and Rusty Jake getting one earlier in the year. Um, but he is very, very close to earning a tour card. Um as a non-tour card holder, which I believe has only ever been done once before, which was Joe Mernon after he won a pro tour as an invite as a challenge tour, got himself in the match play early doors um, and, and earned his tour card outright for the rest of the season. Roby John is not a million miles away from doing the same this year. Yeah, look, I'd love to see more of him. I think he's he's at home on the stage, isn't he? Um, in front of the, the big audiences. But tonight... You kind of feel probably once he's finished that game, there wasn't a drop off from Wade at all tonight. He was so consistent throughout the game that Roby would have probably thought maybe at four one or so Wade's going to drop off here, and I can capitalise on that. He didn't. He continued to go and he continued to to break Roby's throw, and it, eventually it just it's, it, the youngster just ran out of steam, didn't he? T- towards the sort of once the throw was broken, and then it just sort of steamrolled after that. But I would love to see more of him, and you know he'll take confidence from his run this week. He's he's been really impressive. Yeah, he has indeed um, boosted by that run at the World Cup with his partner Mentor Sulevich. Both players have been on a good patch of form. Since no weighty interview this evening, unfortunately, he wasn't available. Um, so we are going to move on to game number three and the closest game of the night. The reason that Cam is wearing a Blackburn shirt for all of his sins, not because he lost the bet, I promise. Um, Gerwin Price 10, Bradley Brooks 8. And the stats and the numbers, Cam, don't say this is the best game. But there was lots of drama, lots of tension, lots of testosterone flying around on that stage. And that made it an enjoyable watch. It was a great watch. It was probably the best game to watch of the night, even though, like you say, the averages and everything else. I mean, that's where averages kind of sometimes are a bit irrelevant, aren't they? I mean, to watch it, it was fantastic. And it was drama throughout. It looked early on, especially when Price had a chance to go for one up, like he might run away with it. It might be another one going with the rest of the games where it was a bit comfortable and a bit one-sided, whereas then Bradley just found a little bit and upped his level slightly, ran and ran through it a bit. And realistically, there was 
there was one massive moment, I think, in this match, which was seven each and three darts at 28 after setting it up with the one, was it one seven seven to set it up? I think it was, wasn't it? To set up 28 from, from Bradley and that third dart was so well thrown. Somehow it's not gone in off the other one. I'm not, still not sure how and that goes in. Maybe we're sat here and it's a different result, but Price was pretty cool mm-hmm. after that and sort of finished it off quite well. And I think that knocked the stuff in a little bit out of Bradley at the end, but it was a great game to watch and really, really enjoyable. Yeah, Charlie, it's not, we don't see it too often these days because of what tends to happen when you do, but it was quite refreshing to see a youngster going head to head with Gavin Price, not only on the board, but with a little bit of the reactions off the board as well, wasn't it? I know the opinion sways a lot depending on who's giving it and if it's Price and Van Gogh, we can say sometimes it's a bit excessive. I thought it was pretty good from both players tonight. It was in moderation. It was at the right times. It was at the key moments. And that makes it a bit of a ding-dong battle to watch. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember Bradley Brooks obviously still really young, isn't he? So inexperienced on the stage. It was 5-2 down and he gave going Price a massive run for his money. So fair play to him for giving it back. It, it, there was no malice in it and you saw how they celebrated at the end. You know, it was it was nice and, and light-hearted. But Price has had a scare there. Um, he's not been at his best this week. And, you know, Bradley Brooks, on another night, we could be looking at him um, going through to, to the next round. But, um, look, Price wasn't at his best tonight. He hasn't been for, for a while, but he's got through another another shaky game and we still haven't seen his A game yet. We haven't, indeed. I want to I want to touch one more little bit on Bradley Brooks. No doubt um, myself, Lee and Phil are going to get into the nitty-gritty of Bradley Brooks current situation but he is at that point where losing games for him right now might not be the worst thing in the world because if he doesn't retain his tour card right now he will get a two-year tour card by virtue of finishing top of the development tour which would also give Nathan Rafferty um it would take it away from Nathan Rafferty if he if he manages to keep his tour card this year it would renew for one year so there is a possibility that actually not winning games right now is a better situation for the World Youth Champion, but we'll get into that a little bit more. A quick word on his action, though, Cam. I'm not sure how many people notice this, but Bradley Brooks has a... He's almost got a three-stage set in motion as he's bringing his hand back, and that went away from him in the early stages of the match. It, it was straight back, straight down. When you've got such... It's not even... I'm not even sure distinct is the right word, but when you do have that set in motion and you go away from it, Ted Evitz is another player that has a lovely set in motion, and then... When he's under pressure, when he's going, he just starts getting rid of the darts a little bit quick. I think that may have accounted a little bit for the slow start. And if he if he learns to settle on that stage, the lack of experience perhaps, maybe we are talking about a different result. Because if you're not chasing from 4-1 down and he produces the game he did, he possibly runs away with it. Yeah, completely agree. I think it was something I noted on as I was watching it tonight that there were a few darts in there that were a little bit quick and a little bit rushed. And he has got such a methodical, really nice action that seems to hold up really well under pressure the most, for the most part, but he just seemed in the early stages. And it's understandable that 21 on the big stage in a knockout game playing the world number one, that it probably will go away from you a little bit. I think what was really good to see from him was the fact that he managed to get it back after that and not only managed to hold well, hold throw going into the break to get back to 3-2, but then to kick on from there and get back to level in the game. But 
after that slide where he was struggling a little bit at the start and lost his action slightly, that he managed to get that back and hold on to it throughout the pressure that he was under as well. Yeah, absolutely massive for him. And it made for a great game. We are going to hear from Gerwin Price in a minute, but I just want to touch on another comment from Jay and Jazz. You're getting on the screen all night, buddy. So Wade played exceptional and Price played poorly, but Price had a better average. He didn't. Wade had a 98. Gerwin Price had a 92. 92.9. There's five and a bit points difference between the averages and the performance. Don't take don't take Gob on about his bike because he will he will fire back. <laughs> Not even firing back. Just fact. <laughs> Rafa Benitez. Fact, Mr. Ferguson. Fact. Yeah. What a rad that was. The silly Spanish waiter. Bloody love the man though. Until he went to Goodison Park. Um, let's hear from <laughs> um it could be worse. Uh, Club legend could have just gone to Aston Villa. Um, let's hear then from Gerwin Price in his post-match interview. See what the world number one had to say for himself. Just try to add, I'm a little bit rusty. I haven't played a lot all year, really, considering what I have over the past, you know, a couple of, and missing Premier League, missing loads of pro tours, not as many Europeans. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not as sharp as what I was, but I'm still in. And you know, if people can't beat me when I'm playing that bad, when I'm playing well, they've probably got no chance. Confident for a man yeah. that we love the fact he gives us these little sound bites and clips, but I can't help but feel that the rustiness is a little bit self-inflicted, Charlie. Because yes, he missed the Premier League, but that was nearly seven months ago now. He's opted to miss the amount of pro tours he's missed this year, and 24 hours before his first game in the group stage here at the Grand Slam, he was still sat in a pool in Spain on holiday. If you're not back in the country at the hotel, ready, set, and, and having a couple of days practice almost, you can't really blame anybody but yourself at this moment, can you? You can't blame anyone. Um, he's obviously had one, there was one way, obviously COVID stopped him from um, from competing in the Premier League. That's fair enough. That's, that's out of his hands. But it's the fact that a lot of pro tours this year, he said, do you know what? I'm not taking part in that one. I'm not taking part in that one. So... No wonder he's he's rusty and he's not playing very well because he's not had the preparation and the practice. I mean, he was sat by the pool, wasn't he? As you mentioned, just days before, which is very risky, especially not, not even the, days. The day before, twenty four yeah, hours. At which like is day he posted on the Thursday. He played on the on the on the Friday or whatever it was. He played on the Saturday lunch. Literally yeah, flew in that evening. So risky, but for him, you know, fair enough. He's 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 not playing very well, and he can't blame anyone else. Um, but he'll have to find his A game soon, or else he'll be he'll be facing an early exit. He will indeed, because once again he plays his compatriot and World Cup teammate in the next round, Johnny Clayton, after the Ferrets' biggest ever margin of victory on the TV. Johnny Clayton ten, Nathan Rafferty two. It's a hundred and four average for the Ferret, who was superb tonight. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna precursor this one a little bit by saying I don't feel like this was a 10-2 scoreline. Nathan Rafferty, okay, he's had two legs and they're both ton plus checkouts. He could have had another three or four of those on his um, on his tally tonight because he was so close so often. There was a one-two-one in there. I think um, there was a one-forty maybe. It was early doors. He's just at uh, one-thirty. Sorry, he missed double five. Then he missed the one-two-one. He had chances, 
but they were long shot chances, Charlie, because of how well Johnny Clayton was playing. And if he didn't take out the time plus, he got punished. He was impressive tonight. Um, he was really impressive tonight. And what impressed me so much about Johnny Clayton was just how he cleaned up legs. Because um, Nathan Rafferty missed darts at a double and Johnny Clayton would have been sat on, I don't know, 110, 124, something like that. And, he, and he'd take it out. And you'd just be like, this is what we've become accustomed to seeing. A 104 average from him, 4180s. He was very, very impressive tonight. And going Price will have been watching that. And I don't know, he won't be as confident, I think, as uh, he has been in the past because Johnny Clayton um, is in some serious form at the moment. He is indeed. Cam, quick word on Nathan Rafferty, another one of the youngsters that's fallen by the wayside tonight. But it's been a really, really good performance from him throughout this Grand Slam campaign. Um, missed out on going to Q School earlier in the year. He's got a bright future ahead of him now, hasn't he? Massively so. He's been absolutely brilliant for the entire tournament so far. He just got blown away by the better player tonight, but in the group stage, he was brilliant. And like I say, just to get two legs on the board with two of those massive checkouts, it's under the pressure he was under and the absolute onslaught from Johnny Clayton that he was under shows enough of what he's got about him and what he's got going forwards. He's been very, very good throughout the tournament for a first time as well. I think he can walk away with his head very much held high after this weekend. I think all the youngsters can. Let's not forget, though, Nathan Rafferty was, what, a leg away from beating Gerwin Price, which would have set up a Bradley Brooks last 16 in Canada, instead of the way it fell this evening, which would have given both players a lot nicer battle. We could have seen Price versus Clayton even earlier, boys. This question has been directed at me in the chat room, but I'm going to ask your opinions on it. Who do you think has the most potential, Brooks or Rafferty? Obviously, Bradley Brooks is a little bit older, I believe, and he is the reigning world youth champion. Nathan Rafferty without a tour card at the minute, but has looked very, very good this weekend. Charlie, right now, which one do you think has the most potential? It's a tough question. Um, it's a very, very tough question. I thought you were going to Cam first. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Cam first enough tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think both players are are exceptional and and it'd be nice to see Nathan Rafferty on the tour to see how he competes, you know, regularly. Um at the moment I am favouring Rafferty a little bit more than Bradley Brooks. Um I think his throw looks they were commenting on it tonight how nice his throw is. Um and he just looks he looks like he's got that potential and at his age as well. He's a little bit younger than Bradley Brooks. There's a potential there. He's he's really He's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of areas that he can work on. But if he can do that, we're, we should be expecting to see him on our screens very regularly in the future. Yeah, Cam, for you. Uh, just to put it out there, he's not actually younger than Bradley Brooks. Bradley Brooks, he's actually a month younger than Nathan Rafferty. Um, yeah, he is. Um, I've just, I'll be honest, I've just googled it. Um, <laughs> all that already. Um, but yeah, I. I think it's very difficult right now to pick between them. I, I think Rafferty's action is unbelievable. Like, the, he couldn't have a better nickname, could he, in terms of natural, because it is so natural and so smooth. But I don't know. I, kind of edging towards Brooks a little bit, just in terms of 
I just think there's that little edge about him that I'm not sure Rafferty's got right now. I think Rafferty's not quite got the same fight in him that Brooks might have, just where it gets a little bit tough, where he backs up against the wall and he can come out fighting, which we didn't see from Rafferty today. We did see from Brooks up against Gezi. I think they're at the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of mentality and approach to the game. Bradley Brooks is a very fiery character. If it goes his way, he's going to let you know about it. If it doesn't go his way, you're probably going to see it. Nathan yeah. Rafferty looks like he is going to have the same. He, he could be an awesome poker player because he's just going to react the same if he takes that 170 or if he misses 12 guards with double one. He, he's not going to be fussed at all. Um, Brooks, Brooks has the achievements in his favour, but I think the fact that he his throw changed tonight, we mentioned that already, whereas Rafferty just stayed the same in that environment, I think that gives him that little bit of an edge. Darts is a very, very simple game if you can replicate your throw over and over and over again. doesn't matter how bad your action is. If you can repeat it under pressure every single time, you're laughing. Yeah. So, yeah, the edge, but I think they both have massive futures. And look, after seeing this week, after seeing the youngsters coming through, after being a part of the development tour a couple of years ago, looking at the average age of the player and looking at the lifestyles those players are living now, let's be honest, there aren't many youngsters coming through that look like me at the minute that have got considerable amount of weight between their shoulders and their waist. So, yeah, the, the players are taking this sport very, very seriously right now. Uh, we're going to have to go back to Clayton, obviously, because we have a little clip from Johnny. No idea what this one says because it's just been added as we are midstream. So this one is Johnny Clayton after 104 average and his biggest ever win on the TV. Ah, he's never nice to me. He's only nice to me when we play the World Cup. So, um, no, all due respect, it's like he's going to shove his head off. He, he done it tonight, so he's going to give me that big time on Friday night. So I'm expecting it. You going to give it back? No. I've got a big voice like him, so no. Yeah, I'd put that Blackburn shirt away too, mate. It started to get a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, I don't think the colours. I don't think the colours quite coming across of what I'm wearing right now. So, oh, bright pink! I get it. <laughs> in love. Um, I've thrown myself now. Interesting words from Clayton. Obviously, looking ahead to the Gerwin Price matchup, we will normally look ahead to that tomorrow night. But I think it's fair that we we have a quick word on the um, quarterfinals that have come out of tonight's action. Cross versus Wade, Clayton versus Price. As much as tonight was a little bit of a non-event, those two are going to be very, very close in good games. Yeah, they are. I mean, the two fantastic games. We've got Rob Cross in getting back to his very best form. James Wade's playing as well as he's played for a, a number of months right now. And then you've got the All Welsh game that's been an absolute belter throughout the exact throughout the entire last 18 months as well, which the two that are very, very tough to call as well. Um, it's And that's what makes it for such an enticing pair of quarterfinals, isn't it? It does indeed. Just flash it up on screen, but evening, Shawnee Mack, your Irish Open champion. Hey, congratulations, buddy. Uh, the team here are all very, very chuffed. 
for you. Uh, it's been a long time coming, that victory, mate. So well done indeed. Um, let's then, boys, look ahead to tomorrow night. Four more matches, and this could well be, on paper, one of the best sessions of darts I have ever seen. All four matches are very, very intriguing. The matchups work brilliantly. I think if you swap these eight players around, you don't quite get the same excitement and buzz around this one. But it just, it just works as a session. And I'm really looking forward to this. Starting with Michael Smith versus Joe Cullen, Charlie. Two players that are just going to get on with the game, play at a very, very good pace. They're almost going to accommodate each other because of that. Plenty of high scoring. We're going to get chances at big finishes. We're probably going to get plenty of double misses as well because that's just the way the two play. But it's going to make for a really interesting contest. I mean, if, if any of us can predict the results for tomorrow night, we've done very well because it, it is going to be an exceptional night of darts. Um, I, I fancy Joe Cullen in, the, in this one, you know. I really do. I'd, I'd like to see him um, get through. I mean, Michael Smith's been playing some really good darts. Granted, he, he wasn't at his best against Joe Davis. He's got a point to prove um, as Michael Smith. And, you know, we're expecting that one to go close. I mean, if I was to give a score prediction, I, I think Joe Cullen wins it, but I think he wins it 10-8. I think you see it go the distance in that game. Um, but that won't, the, the timing of the game won't be too long because they throw very fast anyway. So that game will be done before we know it, but I think he wins 10-8. I'm coming to you for a sore prediction. Obviously, we don't have as much to talk about this evening, so I'm going to chuck something else at you at the same time. I don't like mentioning the P word, although I think we're only two events away from that lineup being announced. This game could have massive implications on one of these two being in the travelling circus that is the Premier League. You just can't help it, can you? You can't help but talk about it. I'm, well, look, Michael Smith was obviously very annoyed that he wasn't in he last was. year. I'm aware that the broadcaster was very, very keen on Joe Cullen being a part of it last year. Yeah. Hadn't quite done enough to be in as one of those wild cards because they like the image of Joe Cullen. Slightly young, he's got the slim build, he's not your, your big fat old pub player anymore. And that's the image they want to press for this sport. This game... Two quick players going to play at a nice pace. As I said, if one of them wins this and goes further and deeper into the tournament, they're in with a good chance, surely. Yeah, and conceivably, either of them could go and win this. Like, they are both more than good enough to go and win this tournament. And then the an absolute shoo-in for the Premier League. And I think, yeah, like you say, it's a great game. And it's two players that are perfect for the Premier League as well in the way that they play the game, the way that they throw... It's, it's enjoyable to watch them both play and they're both capable of throwing monumental averages and just providing the entertainment that the Premier League is there to do week in, week out. In terms of picking this game, I, I just I can't see anything but it going all the way. I think we're going to see it go right to a deciding leg and I think that we'll see Michael Smith just get over the line 10-9. Given for a decided chat room. Remember, get your predictions in. We'll flash some of them up on screen, get a general consensus. No polls tonight. Take us too long to get them up and down for each of these matches. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very intriguing matchup. And this half of the draw 
at this stage is, is considerably more stacked than the opposite half of the draw, obviously. Um, makes for a really, really intriguing night of darts in general. But when it comes to this game, I think I'm with you, Cam. Um, I think Michael Smith comes through it purely because I've predicted him to go very, very deep in the tournament last Monday. The only issue with that is, so is Lee Boyce at this point, which means he's got no hope whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Before I do give that prediction, didn't see much of Lee Boyce on the TV tonight. Thank the Lord. Thanks for having me have a night. It was nice to not have a bit of Sky Sports Boyce for once, wasn't it? Like... Oh, yeah. That's his new nickname. We gave you absolutely after two weeks on the show. Uh, he's going to be Sky Sports Boyce from now on. Um, prediction for me then, I'm going to go, not 10-9, not uh, I'm going to go 10-8 Michael Smith. I think he gets that extra break of throw. Liam from the team, Cullen 10, Smith 8. Shawnee Mack, Cullen 10-9. Uh, turn it plays, so Smith wins 10-6. Jay and Jazz is going for Cullen as well. Plenty of you going for Cullen. And if you are going for Smith, everybody is saying it goes close, which means we're already in for a longer evening than the one we've had tonight. Get your pillows out, boys. We're in for a late one. Um, game number two of the evening, and we're going to go in the opposite way round. Um, Cam, so I'm coming to you first. Peter Wright, who has told everybody he is going to win this tournament against the defending champion, Jose de Souza. Where are you going with it? He's a Another very, very difficult game to pick. Peter Wright, we saw flashes of brilliance in the in the group stage. Jose was more consistent. He was a steadier, higher average. He's played this sort of his normal game. Not again, not the heights he can get to, but his solid B game has been there throughout. I think I just fancy Jose and I as much as Peter Wright, the last time he told us he was going to win something, went and won it. I don't think this that he backs it up this time, and I think Horsey gets over the line 10-7. Charlie, over to you. I I don't think either player is playing at their best um, at the moment, and I just have a feeling that Wright will show up tomorrow night, and I think he's going to win 10-6. I think he gets the better of, of of Jose. He's not been playing well either. I think he'll there'll be a there'll be a, a considerable gap between the two, but I think he'll get the job done, Peter. Right? And yeah, I think I think ten six. I think he'll get the job done. Split pretty nicely in the chat room. I think more and more are starting to edge towards Peter. Right? I mean, the fact that he still doesn't know what darts he's throwing is always going to be a bit of an issue. Jose does look a little bit sharper now than he has done for the last couple of months. He says he's on his way back to full fitness and he struggled after his second COVID jab. That being said, I think we see a performance here from Peter Wright. It's, it's been brewing a little bit um, when he needed it. It was pretty ruthless against Fallon earlier in the week. Um, and if Jose doesn't start brightly, if, if Jose doesn't get out of the blocks rapidly and put right under it, think snake bite will will go away with that one and at that point i'm gonna say 10 6 to peter wright and the defending champion falls in the last 16. um game number three 
Um, I'm going to go to Charlie first, just because you've made a special special moment for this, Cam. So, you know, it's going to make you wait just that little bit longer. Um, it is a repeat of one of the most infamous games in darts, Fallon Sherrick against Mensor Sulevic. Charlie went Fallon's way last time at the Palace. Can she repeat it in Wolverhampton? I mean, I can do the match sport tomorrow, Gob, if you want me to, and I'll write heartbreak for Fallon. <laughs> You've done that once this week, mate. We'll hope that that'll work again. But having said that, I think she wins. I'm on the I'm on the Fallon bandwagon. I'm going with her tomorrow night. I think she gets the job done. I think it'll be 10-7 to Fallon Sherrick. Um, and, you know, she makes even more history. I'm not even sure I need to ask Cam who's going to win tomorrow. I just think I need to ask him a score. I mean, we nearly lost me there. Um, I just got it, as Charlie was about to predict, that it flashed up on the laptop that my bash was about to go. <laughs> I just had to dive down and grab the charger. Um, we nearly didn't get this. Um, yeah, I'm going with Fallon as well. I just don't think Mentor likes playing her. I don't think it's good for his mindset. The pressure that he's under and then the crowd get into him, which they will. And I think she wins 10-6. I'm, I'm genuinely struggling with this one. <clears throat> the, the fact the crowd are going to be on mental will definitely play a part in the game. Mensor's pace, though, I think will balance it back out. I'm not sure Fallon really likes playing the slow games. We've, we've seen her performances in the live league, etc. And, and when she's allowed to play and that freedom to play, look how good she was against Michael Van Gerwen, for instance. Um, Mike Tadeka is, is no slouch. Um, when those players give her that little bit of pace to play with, she can get into a far better rhythm. That being said, think we see it one more time. I just do. I think we, we see it tomorrow. And then it doesn't go any further after that one. But I think Fallon wins. And I think she wins 10-7. I think if it gets any closer, then Mensor's probably got the edge. But yeah, 10-7 to... Fallon, Jamie, 10-4, Mentor, if he plays, he's played already. That is the other point, by the way. Mentor is playing some very, very good darts right now. Nathan I think, said, I think we've basically, we've all just killed Fallon there, haven't we? Like, she's out now because we've unanimously <laughs> said that she's going to win. Uh, so apologies now to Fallon um, if it doesn't go that way because it's definitely on us three. Well, you better get used to it because if she does get in the Premier League, Phil Bars and Lee Boyce can be predicting it every single bloody week. So, you know, she's got to break the curse at some point. And why not do it before the curse even begins? Because that's what we do here at Online Darts. We just pick howlers. I, I, I genuinely don't know how people sit and watch us do this, by the way. <laughs> None of us get anywhere near any week at all. We get one and then we're like, oh, yeah, look at that. And then we bang on about it for three weeks and then we go again. Um, I had three correct scores the other night, actually, out of eight. I'll take that. <laughs> final game of the evening, boys. And this game may not have the same impact that it had four or five years ago, but it is still the El Clasico of darts. Gary Anderson against Michael Van Gerwen. Two players, no antics, get up, throw their darts. And if they deliver... 
it just always has the potential of being the most special game ever, Charlie. It does. This is going to be what an, what a game to finish the night as well. Um, I mean, it, it it would be really special if this game goes all the way. Um, I'm still firmly with MVG. I think he's he's in the form. His form is is some of the best we've seen for for a long time. So I think he beats Gary Anderson. I think we see a classic, and it goes the distance. Um, but I think he wins ten eight. Um, and beats Gary Anderson. Although Gary's been playing really well at the moment, I, I think MVG may just have too much for him. Cameron, over to you. I, I just can't see that. I honestly think that MVG's levels above Gary right now, especially in terms of how they've both played so far this tournament. And I think if Gary gets three, then that's probably as good as it's going to get. I think 10-3 MVG, and I think he'll run away with it. 10-3? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, indeed. Because I agree with Jack. The longer a tournament goes on, the more chance Gary Anderson gets to just play darts. Michael Smith was very critical of him the other night and the fact that Practicing just, just doesn't seem to be there. But the more time Gary Anderson gets on a board, the better he plays. I think we're wrong. Van Gerwen is reaching an astronomical level right now. But I'm still wary of the odd game drop-off. Still, we look at the Premier League, and I know that was a long, long time ago, and the form was so up and down, and he seems to have levelled out a little bit. But I am still wary of that drop-off. And if Gary Anderson gets out in front, I think we could see glimpses of the old Gando, and please, what a time it would be to see it. Um, 10 7 to the flying Scotsman, and pray that I'm not on tomorrow night if this goes terribly wrong. <laughs> um, that, gents, pretty much wraps up everything we need to talk about. We are a little bit early tonight, and I haven't prepped you two on this, but it's been popping up the other night as well. I know, I know, I know. But you know, why not? Let's continue having a little bit of a chat. Um, we've we've got five minutes, I reckon. Yeah. It's very early for the P word. I know that myself, but I'm going to instigate the conversation, Charlie. Well, we're two events away, Charlie. No, we are, I've, we are... I've I've literally spent the afternoon scrolling. Through arguments, <laughs> we have, but I haven't heard your opinion on it, right? We are two events away from the world championships. As it stands, Fallon Cherrick does not have a tour card. Will she get picked for the Premier League? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I do think. And this is taking out sort of the integrity of darts. Having her in wouldn't be the worst option in the world. Now I understand God, those points that you were making about how other players will be will be you know really pissed off about that, won't they, because of it? But I just think she will sell tickets. People will will buy you know merchandise. People will buy the sports packages to watch her play. I think for the for darts. They may look at it at that side and think, you know what, she could be a good pick for us. Cam, 
pretty much already know your opinion on this. Yeah. I mean, you've just had an outfit change to put on the most ludicrous baby pink hoodie I've ever seen in my life. Why on earth do you even own that? It's beyond me. Um, it's definitely your, your partner's, isn't it? It's, it's not really yours. It's um, definitely mine. Well, I was trying to give you an out then, and you've just thrown it back in my face. Um, you, you want her in, don't you? I, I 100%. I think she's the most marketable player in darts right now. She is... There it is. I was just waiting for the M word. There's been... Earlier. If Susie Dent was into darts, marketable would be the word of the day. Of course, it, of course it would. I mean, she is the... She's the face of darts right now. There, There is no one else that has got mainstream coverage like she has that people outside of the game instantly know who she is. Other than probably MVG, but they already know him. There's not that's not going to bring you anyone new. Whereas the Premier League is there for one reason, and that's it's the 16-week travelling circus of bringing in casual fans to bring new people into the game, get people there that are there for a good night out and to build interest from there and get people watching. And there is no one better in darts right now than Fallon Sherrill for that. And that that's the, the long and short of it. You can say there's other people that are more deserving, and if someone like Joe Cullen or Chris Dolby miss out, who have won events recently on the Pro Tour and have been performing for a number of years and, and going out there and doing it, miss out. On merit, possibly, yes, they should be in ahead. But when it comes down to it, the Premier League is not about that. And that's the reason that it isn't the top 10 in the world. That's the reason that it's only the top four that get in as it, as it is right now, at least, which whether that will still be the same for next year's, we'll see. But that's the reason that it's that. And then you've got wild cards after that and event winners because it's about bringing in new people to the game. It is. And I get that that's the aim of it. But I'm at the point where I think there's too many events like that. You've got the Premier League, you've got the World Series, you've got the Masters that's non-ranking. I, I hadn't really thought of it, but until I flashed it up on screen, that surely Max got it bang on. I think I, I think they will only announce eight, maybe nine players for the Premier League and, and leave a couple of spots open heading in to the Masters. They've got time for it. They can see what happens at Q School unless they go and retroactively award a tour card for top of the women's series, which I wouldn't put it past the PDC. But yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. I'd be extremely miffed if they do it after the fact. Uh, if, if you offer it to the start, no objection with it. It's a, an affiliate satellite tour, like the Challenge Tour, like the Development Tour. The player's going to compete in it and earn it by over 12 events. Not the biggest calendar year. The fact they've got 20 next year is the perfect time to introduce it. But if they start... The issue I've got is they're going to start bending and breaking rules for the benefit of one player. And then... If that doesn't go right for them next year, are they going to bend it and, and break it back? Or are they just going to live with it if it's not commercially viable for them? The fact that the timelines and, and Facebook and Twitter and discussion all day and for the last couple of days has been... Gem like I have no objection with Wayne Mardle talking about how marketable a player is. He's in the business of players being marketable. It's good for him. It's good for his employer, Sky. The fact that regular fans are now discussing how marketable somebody is... it's just a weird concept to me because she's marketable because you guys sit there and watch her. You shouldn't be saying she's marketable. You should be saying, I really enjoy watching her. And instead we're discussing, oh, the fact she'll sell tickets. 
the person she's selling tickets to is you as yeah, fans. But she sells tickets because she's great to watch and what she's doing as uh, in her performances. And I mean, how many people out there would have won that game last night the way she did? Male, female, whatever. There's not many that would have pulled off that that she did under that pressure where she had to win the final three legs to get through. And she took out a 141 and a 170 to win the match. That is world class, no matter what you're talking about. And that is the sort of thing that is why she's marketable. If she, just because she turns up there in, in a pink shirt and the crowd like it doesn't make her marketable. It's about what she's done on that stage, which no one else has ever done as a female player. That's That was the other point I made, because when a couple of people were talking about how marketable Fallon is, and I'm going to say it, Wayne Marder was called out on social media earlier for saying she's the most marketable. Someone said, what makes her the most marketable? Is it because she's doing these things as a female player? And Rod Studd leapt to his defence and, and Marder got in a hump about it. But actually, in terms of... Wayne then went on, to, on TV tonight and said, she looks different to everybody else on stage that plays the game. Because she's female, of course she looks different. Uh, I think they're getting their wires crossed a little bit. Would the attention be on somebody firing at a 170 for the match in the fashion for a 4-1 if they weren't Fallon Cherub? And I think that's a big difference. If that was Roby John Rodriguez last night, would we be talking about Roby John Rodriguez in the Premier League without a tour card, had a decent year, good run on TV? Probably not. And I think that's where players, fans, pundits are all getting a little bit crossed over at the minute and the PDC as an end product, I don't really get where they're going to end with a World Series, with a Premier League. At what point do you stop making decisions based on commercial viability and the strength of your product becomes enough to keep fans engaging and interacting without having to interfere in the natural order of an order of merit? And I think that's where lines are going to get a little bit hazy over the next couple of years. The, the system they've got, the feeders, should be enough to produce everything that they want to. If they don't and they start interfering in it, that's where I've got a little bit of perhaps an, an issue with the way the PDC are heading at the minute. Um, and that voice is probably a pretty good place to end before we get down an absolute... Alice in Wonderland, rabbit hole. Me and you could be here all night on this one, couldn't we? We could indeed. It's it's nothing to do with the player and the person involved. My, my point is that I think sport is the epitome of competition and that should naturally evolve and develop without outside interference. It's almost like a free market. People that believe in, that, that study economics, there shouldn't be any interaction from the outside. A free market should provide everything it needs to and if it doesn't it doesn't and, and, and that's the issue so yeah before we before we go on any more tangents and rants um if you are listening to this as a podcast thank you very much we, we forgot to say thank you to you guys after the last couple of shows but we know there are plenty of you out there downloading and listen to this as you go to work travel back and forward or as you sat at your desks throughout the day chat room you guys have all been Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining in once again. A quick reminder, we played you some clips of interviews earlier. Head over to our YouTube channel to watch those in full. And while you're there, I hear there's a very, very good 
video log of the World Seniors Weekend. Another one coming soon. That one is out, I'll admit it is a little bit rusty around the edges. I've never done a vlog before, never edited before, and definitely never created a thumbnail before. Excuse the Photoshop on that one, um, but it is worth your watching, I promise, if you get through the, the travelling to start with. Um, thank you very much to our friends at Foil Sports for all their help this week. Um, if you are having a flutter with them, please do remember to bet responsibly. Um, but look out on our social media. Sam Tizzle, Tiz is back this week, giving you all of the best actors that he can find. Um, so make sure you check those out. Gents, thank you very much for joining me. Cam with your wardrobe changes. Charlie, you've been here all week and you're staying with us. I think tomorrow, is it Friday you finally get a day off? I haven't checked the round no, properly. No, I'm still on Friday as well. He's on all week. Look at this. What an addition. <laughs> you have been, buddy. Um, thank you very much as once again to everybody in the chat room. And with that, this is where I have to find the button for the outro. Thank you very much for watching, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you all once again tomorrow evening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts.